you'll find And watchers are visionaries Or maybe they're idiots Hi, Matt and Andrew. Thanks for having me here today. My name's Sky Rayward. I'm co-founder here at Farmers to Founders. Really excited to have a chat. Right. Oh, so we're, this podcast is getting released Monday or Tuesday, mm-hmm. but we are recording on a very important day. It's Burns Night. Burns Night. Burns Night. Twenty yeah. fifth of January. Celebration of the world's most celebrated poet. Okay, so, I did not know that. So there we go. So we'll, I'll be having haggis and whiskey for dinner. Every every Austra- every Australia Day or the lead up to Australia Day, Andrew reminds me that it's Burns Night. Okay. So, all this, all Andrew, this, all Andrew, all this, has all this a controversy Scot- about Australia Day, and yeah. everyone, and it's just it's all a conspiracy to take away attention from Burns Night. <laughs> Well, my, uh, my name's actually from the Isle of Skye, so my grandmother's Scottish from Edinburgh. Uh, true, true, reword. Yep. yep. Mm. There you go. So we'll get you to do an introduction, a proper introduction to yourself after we've psychologically tested you mm-hmm. to make sure that you're competent to remain on the podcast. So we're going to run through the six cents. We're going to fire a word or statement at you, and you give us the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, Matt, Matt's our numbers man, so he'll keep count to make sure that we can add up to it's six. Quite, it's quite tricky for us to keep track of six, so um, we've, that's, we've missed out a few times, haven't we, Andrew? Lost, yeah. lost, lost our way. Yeah, the, uh, the answers can be as long or as short as you want them to be, as long as long is less than 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, Matt, you can jump off. Uh, I'll start with food innovation. Food innovation. Um, so food innovation for me is all about making a positive change. Um, we know that there's lots of challenges that we have to overcome, uh, emerging challenges. And so food innovation is all about how we look at the agriculture and food system to make a positive change for, for all humans. Okay. Crocs footwear. Crocs footwear. Um, Speaking of innovation, that's a bit of innovation innovation and fashion. Yes. Um, I've seen that it has, you know, I'm not someone that really follows fashion, so I like my own style and and not kind of adhering to anything, but obviously you have seen Crocs coming back into fashion and many people wearing them. I don't know if it's for me, to be honest. So I told you, I told you, Matt, what did I say? I've been mm. advocating for Crocs for about four years, mm. and they've just gone they're like just that. Going, Sh- just share, going, share, share price has gone through the roof. Sky mentioned they're coming back into fashion. I, I never realised they went out of fashion, Andrew. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, yeah. uh, uh, what about what about we're getting sidetracked on the six cents? We've only two down. We're getting sidetracked. What about um? What about haggis? Haggis. Um, I actually haven't tried haggis. My grandmother is Scottish, however. Mm. Um, we, she used to, she's a fantastic cook, but kind of in the more modern style of cooking. So I guess that's where my passion for food actually came from, is from my grandmother. So there's an implication there that haggis isn't a modern style of cooking. Well, that's another thing that's, you know, increasing in its popularity as well. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, a super, these... like like pudding, it's a superfood as well, isn't it, Andrew? And it's sustainable food using all it's the, all you know, awful, yeah. 
it's awful, but it's not awful. Yeah, there's many. Uh, I'm a chef by trade, actually. So there's many, many ah. chefs bringing back uh, haggis and, you know, those traditional foods onto the table, which is great to see. Women in technology. Well, women in specifically in agricultural technology. Um, well, why we're here, I guess, is, um, you know, we, uh, you know, I'm a co-founder with another woman who's actually my mother, uh, Christine Pitt. And so we have a very strong desire to support women um, in our programs. And we see, a, you know, a huge gap uh, in terms of women entering the industry. And that comes from um, even sort of younger at school. So there's you know, it's creating those um, inspiration and awareness around pathways into agriculture technology is really important and then supporting women through that process. Hmm. Agricultural startups or ag tech startups, should say? Uh, it's an emerging industry in Australia. Um, obviously, agriculture is a very important industry um, and the way in which our agriculture sector is going to become more sustainable and to help our Australian farmers become more sustainable, efficient and profitable, it's going to need the adoption of technology um, to be able to, to do that. Hmm. i got to get them the last one, yeah? Yep. Ag tech hype. Ag tech <laughs> Hype. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I mean, it, it, yeah, interestingly, it, as because it's that emerging sector, we're seeing huge uh, number of entrants entering um, the sector and, and where those skill sets are coming from, which is great to have diversity in terms of people entering the industry. Um However, you know, we we debate internally, you know, is it ag tech, is it agri tech, what's all the kind of hmm. hype words around it? Um, it's a very exciting industry to be a part of. But, yeah, there's some significant challenges um, in terms of the technology solutions actually fitting with the problems that they're trying to solve. But by its nature, it has to be a level of hype around it. If it's something that's new and innovative, then you're going to have, like, isn't that, you got it? you can't kind of come into something without the hype if it's brand new and you got to try and change people's thinkings yeah sure. definitely i think yeah 100 percent. um i think it's just sort of exploding you know it's it's an industry that's got a lot of opportunities in terms of career pathways um there's also you know much more serious challenges that we have to solve so around climate technology sustainable agriculture we know that we have to make a sort of disruptive change um, and, you know, we believe that technology is going to be an enabler of that. So, I mean, it's exciting that there's hype around it. See, I thought that was a really good, competent answer, but unfortunately it was the wrong answer. Okay. <laughs> Why is that? The right answer, the first thing that should spring to mind <laughs> is the hip-hop song by Public Enemy. Don't, Don't believe, believe the hype. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sky's a bit too young to know who Public Enemy is, Andrew, I reckon. How, uh, huh? I might be younger. Than, you, you might think I'm younger than I am. Yeah, that, well, was, that was genetic. 8 to 8. And that's, don't, believe but, the hype, don't believe the hype has been popular for a long time. Public, yeah. Enemy, Public Enemy were a very popular band when I was going through high school, Sky, and I'm pretty sure... No, they were. I'm pretty sure you're not that old. I'm pretty sure you're not that old. Matt, that's, that's <laughs> nonsense because that came out in 1988. 
and in 1988, <laughs> you were 45. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's right. I'm the vampire. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, Sky, give, we, you've done it. We've got a bit of an insight into you and what you do, but like, give us uh, a little bit of introduction into, or A, yourself. Yeah, tell us about your background first. Sure. Um, so, um, I was born and raised in Sydney. Um, I've spent the last 20 years working in the food industry. So, I started my career out as a as chef. So, I'm a chef by trade and then thought that was, I don't know if you know chefs, but, you know, there's not necessarily mm-hmm. longevity in that career, particularly as you get older. Um, so went back and, you know, um, went to uni a few times. Uh, then I joined large corporate food manufacturing, so got that kind of corporate experience. And then in 2019 um, joined my co-founder, Christine, um, to develop both farmers to founders and we also have another business in Australia called Food Futures Company which is all about um, agriculture and food so I've spent my whole life you know very passionate about food I have my family you know connects over food and um, you know it's it's something that I, I will continue to work in I think for the rest of my life it's a very exciting um, industry and yeah that's what's that's what's, what's what was the what's the what's the role of farmers to founders what is what are you there to do what's your main kind of inspirational things you're trying to achieve there um so farmers to founders has kind of two core business pillars one is um our tech lab pillar which is all about supporting um ag tech entrepreneurs and founders and in particular obviously supporting women into that sector um, we're the largest kind of pathway in terms of running pre-accelerator and accelerator, accelerator programs in Australia. So we take entrepreneurs on their full journey. So right from early ideas, right through to internationalization. And then the, on the other kind of core part of our business is all about how we connect the dots in terms of accelerating um, ag tech adoption on farms so there are lots of challenges with adoption so even one even though there's lots of tech solutions out there they not they might not be getting adopted by the farmer as i guess as quickly as the industry would like and that's not because the farmer isn't interested or knowledgeable or wants to to make those innovations on farm it's there's a sort of a misfit that's happening between the technology and and the problem that they're trying to solve so is all of the participants from an agricultural space or can they be within that food manufacturing or in food innovation space as well? Um, so participants can come from uh, any background. They don't necessarily have to have worked in agriculture. Um, obviously having a keen interest and passion around agriculture and food helps. Um, we work with students, researchers, um, tech developers, entrepreneurs, you know, founders in their own right. Um, basically with farmers to founders, that's sort of more, I, I guess, further down the, the value chain in terms of on-farm type application with the technology. So specific technologies that are going to help farmers kind of capture more value back on farm, become more sustainable and profitable. We do look at technologies as well that potentially um, post-farm gate that are, you know, in the supply chain traceability, but really the beneficiary is the farmer. Okay. What, do you have any examples of startups that have gone through you guys? Yeah, so, I mean, at the early stage, we've 
supported, you know, over 200 early stage startups. And so the concepts come from, um, you know, focused on lots of different sectors. We work cross-sectorally across agriculture, so grains, livestock, mm. um, you know, horticulture, aquaculture. So there's lots of different types of technology. It might be, for example, um, you know, new ways to muster cattle with drones. Um, it could be, you know, converting a waste stream on farm into um, hydrogen, for example. And, and so there's lots of different, um, I guess, focus areas. Um, at the later stage, so we've also helped scale kind of over 90 businesses. And so these businesses might be creating um, hardware that's going to help um, the soil, help crops grow better, um, it could be, you know, water management, sensors, all sorts of different types of technology. Hmm. For, the, for the participants that are coming through the program, do they nominate themselves or how do you look at it? Do they find about you guys or how do they, how do they, what's the normal pathway to them, you know, meeting you and, and working with you? Um, so, yeah, we, we're very active, I guess, in terms of, um, you know, recruitment's always on for our uh, program. So we're actively out there, you know, utilising our communication channels. We participate in large industry events and sort of more regional focus as well. Um, so, you know, once programs open, we'll go through that kind of recruitment period. We'll be out there, um, you know, hustling and then getting and getting good quality applications. And then, you know, they go through a selection process. And if they're successful, um, obviously, we create that cohort of participants going through a particular program at any point in time. So you guys, are you funded somehow or is it or the people pay to be part of it or how, how does that work? Um it's an interesting question. We we have different business models. Um, a lot of our programs um, are supported by either industry, so research and development corporations, um, or federal and state government funding. So that that's allowed us to kind of scale the programs that we we deliver. In terms of like, I've, it's interesting. Like, because Matt and I have been involved in that sort of startup space uh, for a while in different forms. Over the years, Matthew. Yes. Uh, so we obviously a startup ourselves, um, but less technology and more service, I would say. Sure. Um, but why are you smiling? <laughs> I was just going to be a smart ass and say any entertainment, but it's probably not really. We're not very entertaining, so. Yeah, we're <laughs> just, it's a serious podcast, Matthew. Yep. Yep. Uh, so we we were involved quite a lot of the time and. In previous jobs, we would get people approach us and as part of panels to look at yep. investments in startups. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you sort of ask an analyst to sort of look at an idea, our view is to always rip it apart. <laughs> and well, no, it's not. It's being critical, hey, being uh, help, help, helpful uh, but critical. But we sort of found that there was a lot of like we would, we'd have a lot of like early stage startups come to us with like fantastic ideas and they would be, I don't know, rocket scientists or data people from various universities, but not necessarily experienced in agriculture. Mm -hmm. And they would feel that, like, oh, we've got this best idea of all time. But what they had failed to do was one, identify the market. Sure. So the market is obviously the farmer. But secondly, they hadn't actually done proper research into what was already available and what had already failed. 
mm. at that point. So I remember we sat down with, I won't say the name of who it was, mm. but we sat down and I, I don't think they're around anymore anyway. No. And they sort of said, oh, we've got this great idea. It's fantastic. And I said, you know, it is a great idea, but it's the same idea in this one, that one, this one, that one, and that one. At least so five, six, seven different organizations have all tried to do the same thing. Mm. Are you quite, like, I know you guys want to get people in numbers, but are you quite clear with people, like, your idea is not fresh? You know? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it's it's a great question and totally aligned with your uh, view on that. And I guess our process, we follow lean startup methodology, which means, like, you're not trying to get, you know, don't waste your time not talking to your potential customers. Don't think you're going to perfect and mm. have the best idea and try to create, you know, the most perfect piece of technology or whatever it may be and spend two, three years building it. And then you go, oh, shit, I'm going to launch that in the market. Oh, actually, no one cares. So we see that a lot. That's actually the most common reason why startups fail is that there's no market need. And and so there's, yeah, so I, I guess when we're taking in participants, we uh, we don't really care about, at an early stage, we don't care about the idea in all honesty because that idea is going to be ripped apart and challenged and you have to go out and validate it. And actually, it you know, the startups actually you see that evolution of that idea it's mm. very different from when they first come into the program to what they leave with um so yeah we not not in a harsh way but you know founders love themselves and love their ideas and so you have to kind of challenge that and I guess we want to work with individuals who are open to feedback and have that kind of growth mindset and are happy to say okay well that prototype was terrible and but I went out and and learned something from it because I went out and tested it with my customers in real time and got feedback so here, here's the thing you might not not know this Matt mm. when I was lots of, there's lots of things that I don't know Andrew lots of things <laughs> lots yes but I'm just I'm here to give you insights into my expert topic which is yep. my life yep <laughs> uh, when I was at uni I did an internship and I got paid like the average wage in the UK at that time was like for a student was like three pounds. I had an internship and I got nine pounds an hour. Mm. That's how good I was. <laughs> uh, but I had an internship for Scottish Enterprise. So Scottish Enterprise is uh, obviously, and everyone knows that Scotland is very entrepreneurial. Well, they invented um, economics. They invented economics. Uh, do you want me to go for a list of things that Scotland? No, no, I'll, no we're, the podcast. Uh, we don't want the podcast going that long. Like three or four hours of. I'll I'll bring it up and we'll do it at the end. Um, <laughs> but anyway, my position was at that time, back in 2000, and the heady days of 2003-2004, the government was trying to discourage people from taking uh, graduate jobs. They wanted to encourage students in the final year to consider setting up their own businesses and encourage entrepreneurship. But what they discovered was there's a hell of a lot of geeks and nerds who had great ideas, but had zero people skills and zero mm -hmm. personality. So what we were there to do was sort of align people from say business economics or marketing along with some nerd so that they could actually formulate the idea into something that was actually sellable as opposed to just a great idea sitting in somebody's basement with their Dungeons and Dragons set. So, yeah, so is that 
it, do you ever see that as a sort of an issue that like you've got somebody with a great idea but they just don't have the personality yeah. to push it forward yeah I mean we work with and this is not to discriminate against that I'm sure there are some uh some differences and it's not a generalization but you know we work with lots of engineers and hardcore scientists and you know hardcore techie people I'm not a tech person so uh, I 100% agree with you in that you know there are within a you need a team basically to to grow a startup anyway you need diversity in personality it takes it takes a village to grow a ag tech startup yeah it definitely does like you can only go so far as a solo founder one it's very lonely as well and so you need to think about how you're going to build your team and the diverse set of skills and I guess that's it's also a really important thing to understand is when we talk about technology everyone thinks oh I've got to have a tech background but that's not actually true you can you can come from those different skill sets like marketing or human resource lots of different industries all of those things to form a team and build a build a startup so it's it's more about a a mindset that you need it's it's we talk a lot about that entrepreneurs have to have resilience and those sorts of things. There's lots of qualities that can be learned and built in an individual to really make a, a startup succeed, but you'll never succeed if you're just one person. If you're not open to sharing your ideas, if you're not open to collaborating with others and bringing in that diversity of skill set. We've spoken a few times, just those two points about you said there's some commonalities there when people come through the program you can see that they not so much deficient but there's there's particular areas that they need to focus on that keep popping up all the time would there be one or two others that are that are fairly common amongst the people coming through that you just think that's where that's where their main area of attention needs to be addressing um, to try and make that next step yeah and i mean you know if you guys have worked in a startup as well like you know limited resources you have super limited resources so i guess you have to yeah there are areas you know around your business model around how you're going to go out and hustle how are you going to raise funding and that that funding you know everyone thinks about like vc funding or that's the only source it's actually that's not correct there's lots of different ways to kind of think about how you might fund your startup um so yeah I think a lot of people you know we we look at it's interesting and I guess it comes back to the not enough women in the sector as well is like I've worked with so many startups and they put their you know when they're doing their pitch they put their team up and it's like 10 men and I've got obviously nothing against men but you know that's 10 white men on the screen like to me that's like a red flag so there's there's also those sorts of things so we work really hard in terms of you know, how do you build a scalable business model? How do you commercialize an idea? How do you think about, um, you know, all the things that you need in a business? I think also people are, if you're not familiar with Lean Startup, the, I guess, the process of building a 50-page business plan that just kind of gathers dust on your desk is kind of what a lot of people are familiar with. And so we we do have to kind of break down all the, misconceptions around how do you build a startup because that growth is much it's at a much more kind of accelerated pace that people might not be used to as well hmm. I, I was actually curious about the the funding model yeah obviously you could try and get funding I was actually thinking more about VC but investment funding there seems to be like 
a cycle of different things that are attractive. You know, six, seven years ago, it was applications for iPhones and iPads. And then it was drones. And then it was something else. Do you find that there, what, what is it like? I'm, I think I know the answer, but is there a particular thing, the keyword that you have to have in there in your, uh, in your technology or your business to, 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 to help attract funding? Scalable business model. Okay. So not, I was thinking it would be climate change. Oh, you were thinking some kind of... Oh, you mean like a theme? Yeah, so, cli yeah, so climate tech and sustainable yeah. agriculture definitely is is where, uh, particularly from a, um, I guess if we're looking at government and priorities around that, funding is in those areas and there's a lot of funding going to be released in those areas. So if you can think about it from that perspective, um, it opens a lot of doors. From a venture capitalist perspective, though, scalable business model would be an important one because if you you know you need something that's going to make it worth their while. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. You you mentioned you mentioned about that diversity of getting different ideas, and I was thinking too while you're saying that that with it being a, a techie based type scenario for a lot of the time, it's you know it's no surprise in that science and technology area it's fairly heavily male dominated. If you look at the numbers of people, and also I guess from an agriculture perspective too, there's you know, a reasonable amount of male domination there. What what kind of things are you doing there to try and encourage at least diversity in gender, not not necessarily diversity in other things specifically, but you know, to, to try and attract more women through the program? Are there specific things you're doing to target women? Um, so we are we are sort of launching um yeah, so I guess through our experience over the last five years, um so within our own organisation, we make sure that we have a diverse team. Um, we also, you know, we have an aim in Is all... Is there any, are any Scottish people on your team? <laughs> well, no, not not first. So, yeah, as I said, we've, we've got Scottish <laughs> heritage, but so there's lots of Australians. So, I'm so just, no. I'm just, I'm just checking, you know. <laughs> sad, it's sad that on Bunge Night we're not represented across the whole... Yeah. Well, yeah. No. I, yeah. I can understand. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a sad thing that the white Anglo-Saxon Scottish man can't get. A I'm leg not. Up in I, I'm technically not Anglo-Saxon. Well, okay. Celtic. Okay. All right. Well, the, it's a sad indictment that the white middle-aged um, Celtic, I'm, I'm Celtic also, man. I'm, all, I'm also not middle-aged either. Because, because, because for, for Scotland, you are for, for Scotland. I'm old age. <laughs> We're getting do, it right. Do you want to have? We have a break from uh, technology just now. Mm -hmm. So I do have some breaking information mm -hmm. to go through and and debate. Mm. Uh, I'm just going to take a couple of minutes to appreciate the innovation and entrepreneurship of a small country. Hanging on the side of the North Atlantic, at the extremities of Europe, cold weather hasn't stopped them. I'm going to go through a list, yeah, and I'm going to start with the ones that we've used every day: the telephone, Scottish <laughs> television. Wasn't was didn't Marconi in the tele, Italian fella in the telephone? Yeah, right. <laughs> Penicillin, the flushing toilet. The MRI scanner, the refrigerator. You wouldn't be doing well in food 
technology in Australia without refrigerator. Steam engine, rubber tires, the auto telling machine, then also chip and pin. And a useful one for Scotland because we've got such a big heroin problem, the hypodermic hypodermic mm -hmm. syringe. I'll keep going if you want. Like I no, no, no. That's no. Like I said, we've only got limited time. I want to gen and tonic, Grand Theft Auto, the video game, the toaster, fingerprinting, retail banking, economics. It's pretty much if you actually think of all those inventions, yeah, all those inventions are what has allowed society to prosper. Let's get back okay. to the. Let's get back to the diversity in the so women that, angle. So this is where you need to be going. You actually need to be going to Scotland. just And that's probably why you need a Scottish person on your board, because genetically, it's just an innovative nation. It's had to be from the years of being under oppression. <laughs> yeah. well, that's, what, that's what we could do, Matt, because we haven't mentioned somebody in this podcast, which requires a mention on most podcasts, but we could actually... My Auntie Julie... Could yes. Board. Yes. And, yeah. Uh, well, Annie Julie's an innovative woman as well. Yeah. She fits the world. That's what I want. I'm trying to bring it back to that women aspect because you mentioned that that there's this tech women program as well that you're launching. Is it in Victoria? What's 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 the story behind that? Yeah, it's based in it's based in Victoria. Um, so recruiting for women uh, in Victoria and also um, focused on sort of regional areas as well within Victoria because a lot of the startup services are based in metro areas. So we do have a focus on, on regional areas as well. Um, I guess what we found, so over the last kind of five years of running tech programs and ag tech programs, there's a a much larger proportion of men in those in those programs and I think obviously you mentioned there's there's sort of larger issues around trying to attract women into you know STEM fields for example you know it is increasing over time but still there's a, a much uh, smaller proportion of women entering the field I think what we try to do um, as well as the programs is kind of showcase the women that we've worked with, um, create inspiration and awareness about career paths in particular. So, you know, I've, I speak to lots of young women and they're never told like, Hey, you could become a ag tech startup founder. For example, it's not a traditional thing that your career person at school tells you about. Um, I know, again, there's lots of universities kind of going down the entrepreneurship path, but it, there's that sort of, issue and challenge but I guess yeah we the results speak for themselves so there's been quite a few reports released where um, the performance of those agri-food tech companies if they've got at least one female founder there's a huge um, you know 200 plus percentage in in growth of that company and so it shows that really diversity is key to the success of of running a business um, so this program in Victoria, it's actually going to be only females um, that are accepted um, because we're really trying to pilot to see, you know, how do we support women? I think there's you know, not that men don't juggle lots of things, but women have in, in general lots of balls in the air that they're juggling, whether they're mothers. I'm a mother of a young son, so hopefully you don't hear him banging around in a sec. He's just woken up from his nap. 
Um, but, you know, there's lots of balls that women have to juggle um, alongside supporting their family, you know, looking after children, starting a business. And so there are things that get pushed to the side. So our program is really to um, understand that complexity in their life and create opportunities for them to to learn and build confidence. I think also we know women struggle with imposter syndrome. So, you know, we we don't think we're as good as people in the same position, unfortunately. And so how do we, you know, make our programs build that type of confidence? Um, so that's what I was going to, that was my next question, actually, you've just kind of rolled into it because I was just thinking, like I've had a, a few times, it's probably a slightly different scenario, but when you're looking at, um, you know, applying for a new job, say, and I've had a few different people over the years coming for advice around should I, shouldn't I, you know, da, 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 in that space. And almost always whenever you talk to a lady that's applying for a particular role, they're always they're, they're thinking, oh, I don't have all the skills that are available for that job, so therefore but, I'm not going to apply. But, right? how, but, no, how, many, but how many times do you get a guy who's like, never. Well, I, meet, I, meet, no. I meet one no, of those yeah. 10 requirements? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right. Right. And that, that yeah. just tends to be that, that kind of overconfidence that a lot of males have and the extreme levels of under, or you're doubting yourself, like you said, that imposter syndrome, I, I see that pop up a lot with, with any ladies I speak to around roles are, are that you, going for. Matt, are you saying you lied and deceived me when you applied for the job here? <laughs> should, I, I, should, I, should, should we review it? Yeah, I've, 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 I've applied. All, all the jobs I've applied for through my career, I didn't have all the skills for. You know, And like you said, you look and see. Including, in the including, day, including you know, this one? Yeah, exactly. He, yeah, he, yeah, out, get, sorry, mate. Learning on like, the job. Learning on the job, Andrew. No, you 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 lied in your application. No, no we're gonna, not lying. We're, we're gonna not have lying. we're gonna have to uh, discuss this. We're gonna have to have a, a, a performance appraisal internal review. internal review, not on the podcast. And not lying. You're just acknowledging you don't have all the skills, and you say, "Well, no one's going to come to a job with all the skills. No one you've got coming through your program has all the necessary speak, skills. Otherwise, speak, they wouldn't be going through the speak, program." Speak for yourself, pal. <laughs> Yeah, no, because exactly. th this this job specifically asked for somebody with a diverse accent, so <laughs> that's the only reason I got it. So I don't know anything about agriculture. Clearly, if anyone's listened to me, so but it, it is true though, because because a friend of mine was the same, like non-agricultural, like oh I can't apply for this job. I don't have all the qualifications, and you're like, yeah, but at the moment there's no bloody people applying for jobs. Mm. There's more jobs than people. So just apply for it. Like, I actually don't mind applying for jobs because it's a good experience. Mm. It's a good way of learning about the, the whole process. But how do you, how do you as a as in the role you do, how do you, like, that's that's a significant hurdle, right? Like, particularly for women. How do you how do you change that that kind of nature of women that don't um, have the confidence or have the self-belief, you know, to to kind of pursue these things, whether it's a job or whether it's a, a startup or something they're wanting to do as a founding and you know a new company, how do you how do you tackle that? I think um, you know we we work really closely with our alumni, obviously who are both men and women, but in particular um, providing opportunities to showcase the success of of those female entrepreneurs, which then allows other women to say, hey, okay, well you know, I've got this idea and, you know, Jess over here did it or whatever. Like I, I could see that maybe I could try to do that. I think, you know, it helps that, that I'm a woman as well. And I've also co-founded two businesses. So I can really relate to, 
the issues with confidence or the issues of saying like, you know, how am I going to juggle this thing? I think we're trying to be, you know, we're very flexible in the way that we run programs. We adapt to what that person needs. So we look at, even though it's in a cohort participation, we look at ways to, you know, provide that really kind of dedicated one-to-one support. Um, we work with lots of, um, you know, female, um, you know, successful entrepreneurs and mentors, and we bring them into the program so that there is a sense of, you know, that there's a community, that you're part of a tribe, that, you know, we're going to do this together. So I think that can help. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a challenge. Do you think it's, I was, I was just thinking, because we're, Matt and I are looking at an office space in Canberra, just a, a desk space, like a hot desk and sort of situation. And there's an organization here that basically is a similar sort of thing. It's all for startups, mm-hmm. but not specifically to agriculture. But do you think there's lessons to be learned from, you know, startups in the ag space, talking to startups in the hospitality space or the engineering space or the wider technology space? Oh, definitely. I think, you know, it's not only diversity of experience of an individual it's also like how do you learn from other industries so there's um you know examples where technology might have been applied in one Mm. area and that can be transferred to you know a new area and so I think that kind of kind of cross collaboration um should occur but yeah it's it's I don't know how common that is. Um, I think it should be more common. I think there should be hmm. joint joint events where it's, or where people go to these sort of startup events from ag. I know that a lot of people are going to evoke ag in, is it next week? It's in February, I think. Mm-hmm. We didn't get an invite, but anyway. Out of work ag, did you yeah. say? We're not, we're we're not, not innovative in, enough. In Western Australia. We'll be there, yes. But like, to an extent, that's all ag tech companies talking to ag tech companies. And so it's a sort of, like I've been to one of them, I think the first one, years and years ago. But is there a little bit too much of talking in the same bubble? Maybe that's why we didn't get invited back. Possibly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting point, I guess, if you look at... Also, like- I'm too tight to pay for a ticket anyway. <laughs> if you look at um, kind of a lot of the accelerators in Australia, they are kind of, I would say, industry agnostic. So they might take mm. technology from finance, you know, fintech, whatever. So like lots of different areas in that cohort comes together. I think there's definitely um, positives in terms of that cross collaboration between technology and, in, and seeing that. Um, I guess how we, with the fact that we're exclusively agriculture and food the way that we combat that is that we bring in um i guess business experts and people from very diverse experiences to be our business coaches or our mentors and so they're not all from agriculture they're not all ag tech and as i said you know i'm not from ag tech myself that's not my background i've spent majority of my career in food however, and obviously building businesses. And so there's lots of different kind of things that you can impart. And I guess that's how we overcome that, you know, not to be too narrowly focused. Hmm. No, I think it's like 
But a lot of those incubators, because you're not funded by like a VC, are you? It's not a specific VC that funds you. No. Where, where some of those ag tech startups, accelerators are actually effectively just a VC, but you come into them and they might give you money for X amount of equity. And sometimes not a huge amount of money for quite a lot of equity. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a massive, like I'm clear I'm not a huge fan of that because I believe that if you need to give away that much equity for that much little bit of advice, then you're probably too late to the game anyway. Whereas your model seems a bit better for the startup. Yeah, I mean, that's not to say that we don't have business models that work with businesses at that at a scaled level um, where we would, you know, negotiate equity positions or whatever that looks like. Um, but that's definitely aligned to, like, performance yeah. us and how does that contribute to the performance of that business. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I think if you're a, a startup founder and you get offered some money and, um, you know, not all money is good money. So you, you need to go into that uh, decision very carefully. And I've seen lots of um, startups who, you know, they've taken on um, multiple investors and then trying to go for their next round. The next round don't want to participate because the dilution of that, you nice. know, someone with 2% over here and someone with 3% over here and that's all come to like, You've given away 35% of your business and mm. but not a lot. Um, and I think it's also important to understand at what point do you look for that money. So there's lots of stages before thinking about I'm investor ready at that VC level. And you know, as you know, friendlies and family and and you know, raising that first kind of seed round um is really important how you think about, you know, uh, yeah, there's because we've because we've, we've been we've been quite we've been quite lucky like we've both of our businesses well, this is not really business it's a hobby but yeah our day-to-day -day business is 100 percent owned by us mm -hmm. uh, we have to keep on constantly just it feels you know like when you're dating or whatever not and it's just not attracted to the person mm. it's kind of like that in the moment like we've got to say no to warren buffett all the time yeah. and it's just like it's getting to the stage where we're thinking about a restraining order yep we just, we he's, just, very, he's very persistent, but you know that's probably what made him, yeah, made him a successful entrepreneur. That resilience of every time we knock him down, he keeps coming back with a new offer. It's like it's like the you know it's the person you can't get is more attractive. So he just keeps <laughs> he just Warren just keeps coming to us, and just said, "Look, Waza, it's not time. Uh, We're not. It's not. It's not us. It's you. So, we just have to be. We just have to be patient, Andrew. He's a very old man. Exactly. He's probably <laughs> forgot we spoke to him." So that's, uh, we're going to have to wrap it up. Uh, it's been really sort of interesting to chat. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably come to you next year for uh, our uh, investment advice and, and what we should do with, 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 with our business. <laughs> um, but yeah, anything else before we go? Any final words of wisdom? Uh, just any women out there, come and, come and give me a call. Very happy to talk to you. Just do a search for farmers to founders with the number two, yeah, and they'll be able to locate oh, you. And, we'll, and we'll, put, we'll put a link on the bottom of there'll the, be a link. Yeah, because... <laughs> yeah. we've it's got a few. We've got a few. It's called technology, Matt. We've got a we've got a lot of uh, women in agriculture that listen to the podcast, so that's good. 
and and spread the word, I guess, is the other thing. Tell them to spread the word amongst their networks in the agricultural. What, what did they say? Like, share, and subscribe. There you go. Awesome. That's awesome. it. <laughs> no, thanks for coming on. It was an interesting chat. Um, we might get you back at a later stage as well just to see how things are tracking along because there's probably more we could talk about in that food innovation space and mm. you know, plant-based meats and all those kind of things. So I think mm. there'd be a lot of interesting stuff there. Native I foods. did. I did find some food innovation mm. in the UK. And Australia is way behind the UK when it comes to food innovation. So I just is it, Has it got to do with deep frying? Because Scotland would have invented deep frying, I imagine, as well as part of a list of inventions. Air frying. <laughs> it was, you know, piggies in a blanket? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sausage is wrapped in bacon. bacon. Yeah. The sausage sliced open and the sausage, like large sausages, not small ones, the sausage sliced open, filled with beans and cheese, and then wrapped, and then air fried. Like, how good is that? Like, what more could you want in life? <laughs> so I'm just saying, that's what I experienced when I was away. Right there on. You go. All right. No, thanks for coming on, Sky. It was great. We, we don't so want to much. take too much too much of your time. You said you got the young one uh, waking up, so I'm sure you got things to do there. Um, appreciate you coming on. We'll see you when you got nothing on. Ciao for now. Yeah, thank you.